This is Andy. And this is Matt. And you're listening to The Hop Podcast with No Name. What a dumb name. It's so stupid. <laughs> stupid. All right, we're All in. Right. We're in. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome back. Episode, episode twelve, allegedly. Um, and we're gonna start with where we normally start. And where is that? That's, Matthew? <laughs> we're going over the homework, but this is operational learning episode two. Last episode. wait, so we're in episode twelve, operational learning episode, episode two. two. Yeah. Is this starting to become like? There's gonna be a sub series <laughs> this episode, so we'll have just a really long. You'll have to. Of a wiki, Wikipedia to, about what need the like episodes are. like a map are. at the beginning of the... That's Just treasure hunt. <laughs> Gotta find the gold. <laughs> Hopefully you find it every once in a while. <laughs> All right. So uh, we are going to recap homework. Yes. But you're going to recap because I'm going to talk about my Because you actually yes. did it. Well, <laughs> sort of. It'll make more sense in a second. But what was All the right. homework? So our homework was to try to find a place in, that we experienced that um, the explanation for why something isn't going to plan is very, very much oversimplified. Basically taking the ideas that we talked about last time of ordered systems versus complex adaptive systems and recognizing that even though we live in a complex adaptive system, we often oversimplify the things around us as though we are in an ordered system, right? As though there are simple, easy explanations for things. And Matthew, you experienced that this weekend, yeah? I experienced it. I guess every weekend in the summer now. Uh, so <laughs> this year, my brother and I, your husband mm -hmm. and I, um, joined a men's over 30 baseball league. Nice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so we are back playing, you know, regular fast pitch baseball. Fast pitch is definitely in quotes. I was just uh, about to say. Is that <laughs> and so we we are, are, I mean, it feels like reliving our childhoods. We, ne we were... Three years apart, so we never run the same team. Mm. So we get to be on the same team finally, and it's a lot of fun. But um, everyone's a coach. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> you know, we have long press conferences after the game going over what we should change. And mm -hmm. there are these routine sayings mm. as a part of baseball, and particularly over 30 men's leagues, uh, where the average <laughs> player is probably in their late 40s, early 50s. But uh, some of the sayings are things like, we just got to stop making errors. <laughs> and we're so used to saying that from the safety lens, but this is literal baseball errors. Just, just stop making it. Yeah. Matthew, just you would be so much better you, if you just stopped making errors. And and we, we talk about, well, I didn't get the hit because I'm just, I'm dropping my back shoulder. Yeah, just the, just just the one stop. thing. It's <laughs> the one thing. It wasn't the fact that this is like the definition of a complex environment. It's the one thing I need to change. Um, we talk about, well, the other thing was, well, the, the umpires, you know, they just, oh, that's they, my keep, favorite part. <laughs> they keep making bad calls just against us. Oh, and each team feels that way of the, the umpires, just they're favoring the other team and both teams feel that way equally mm -hmm. for each game about the other team. Because everyone knows <laughs> that the over 30 men's leagues where all the umpires being paid off, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's just a, it's a deep seated <laughs> underground gambling that's happening all the time. So that's it. I actually, I thought about something when we started recording. Yeah. What was the the go-to saying for being a flautist? 
Oh, what, when you when you, what was it like? Oh, you when gotta we, pay more attention. You gotta. You no, know, you have to practice more. It was always it. just practice. Yeah, yeah. You anytime you made any error for any reason, it can be solved by just practicing more. Period. Thank That's God it. I didn't do that. <laughs> I, would, I would just not be able to handle that feedback at all. It's okay. Uh, so that was that was it. We took this massive complex thing, and everyone says just pay more attention and make less errors. And we haven't played in <laughs> twenty years. <laughs> It's just not good anymore. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, but I'll, yep, paying attention is definitely the reason why I made all the errors. Perfect. So, yeah. That's, so that's a really, that is a really good example yeah. because, because sports teams are complex adaptive systems, right? And so, yeah, we, we tend to oversimplify <laughs> what's happening <laughs> as to why we might not be winning. Yeah. That was, I mean, we won last week. Well, and the week before, even with all of your errors and, and not paying that. attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't ask about the games before that, but in the last three, we've won. See, so they're not directly causal. No. Right. So your errors and not paying attention, which are the clear explanations the for cause. why the root causes. We we're saying this in jest in case it's not clear. Yeah. Um, they're not actually causal to your winning. Or still won. Because you still won. Yes. Despite all of that. Because you were adapting to create success, even with all of the errors, which there were. There are many. There were many. As, as there a are spectator, some great I can plays, tell you there hey, are many. Yeah, we always remember the errors. This is true. All right. So I think our plan, right, is that we want to make sure that we touch just a little bit more on the complexity piece so that this idea of operational learning makes sense. Yeah, makes sense as to why we desperately need to operationally learn because yeah. of complexity. And yeah, you we do our normal prep for the i just did a shimmy in my chair like a small <laughs> dance we did a normal prep for the episode and you we really harped on two things that you want to make sure we yeah we really get into for because complexity for complexity right because i think that the the mental image that at least sticks with me in terms of trying to shift our thought process right so we recognize right so we can intellectually recognize that we're in this complex adaptive system but some hard, times it's hard to picture what that means And so the mental picture that I use is historically, I definitely saw my world as an ordered system, which I'm trying not to do now. Um, And so the mental image that I would use is we picture work, our work world as as a big machine. And I would picture the people as part of that machine, right? Like the cogs in the wheel of the machine. And I would historically picture standard operating procedures as sort of the the requirements or the instructions of what those cogs should be doing. And our belief when things didn't go to plan was that uh, part of the machinery could be broken, right? We could actually have a piece of equipment fail. But if it wasn't the equipment, well, then it was the cogs that were the humans that were failing. And so that meant that either they needed to be like their instructions needed to be like reiterated so that they know how to cog properly. Or we needed to sort of reform them because they knew their instructions, but maybe they weren't formed properly. So we need to kind of either retrain or make sure that they have the proper thought process in order to be a good cog in a wheel. And so our mission, basically, historically, was to kind of look at those people and think that we had to adjust something about that cog that is a human. And if we did that, then the whole machinery would run well again. So that's picturing the world as an ordered system. And now that I recognize that that's not true, and if you actually go talk to those people who are people, by the way, and not cogs. Strangely <laughs> enough, they, not they are cogs. not cogs. That that was vastly oversimplifying what was going on. 
And that now how I picture the human is um, we picture them sort of in the middle of that perfect storm, right? So we talked last episode about the fact that in a complex adaptive system, a good way of picturing how events happen are sort of these pretty normal ingredients that come together and they come together sometimes in a fantastic way and we have a really, really good day and sometimes they come together in a, in a way that ends up having a really bad day or a negative event occur. And now I picture the human as the person in the middle of those ingredients. And oftentimes we are adapting to ensure that the ingredients don't come together in a bad way, right? We are stepping over things that could be a problem. We are, we are zigging and zagging in order to make sure that we are creating success. We have tools that don't necessarily do the function that we would love for them to do well. And we have to figure out ways of, you know, dealing with something that's tricky or dealing with something that's frustrating or the person is the one that is actually in the middle sort of orchestrating all of those ingredients and mixing them in a way when they can have some element of control to adapt in order to create success. And they are not that cog in a wheel and they are not the one that needs to be sort of reformed or recorrected or retrained in most circumstances. In most circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a, you can kind of see it when you describe it like that as we definitely used to look at it as this is a system and there are cogs and there are wheels and the human is just one of the cogs and they can quote unquote break and then Mm -hmm. need to be fixed by retraining. And that is just, we got to totally, totally stop that, that thought process because it's, it's just not what humans are and it's not what the system is. Right. It's just, it's a pretty inaccurate mental picture of what's happening. So Operational learning, right, is understanding what it's like from the person who's in the middle of all of those ingredients, understanding what they are having to do in order to create success, understanding all of that adaptation that is occurring so that we can actually have a pretty accurate mental picture of what it's like to get work done. I think we nailed it. I think that's complexity. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Cool. Wow. It only took us... 1.5 1.5 episodes and we've simplified complexity. So there it is. Got it. Um, and then we, so we, we used complexity as the, one of the major driving factors as to why you need to operationally learn. Yeah. We also last episode just touched on operational learning and kind of what goes into it. Yeah. And we, we settled on wanting to start by talking about the idea of being teachable when you're doing any sort of operational learning, whether that is just on the fly or in a learning team or any other way. Correct. Yeah. So this phrase being teachable, um, we give credit to Bob Edwards for it because I think many of us were using uh, the terms of psychological safety, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with using those terms, but he has this way of taking words that sometimes don't directly have meaning to people and finding a way to convey meaning very quickly. So the idea of being teachable means that in any conversation that we're having around operational learning, we want to be putting ourselves in the position of being able to be easy to for us to learn as the facilitator of a discussion, but also that it's really apparent to the people that we're talking to or even just the other person that we're talking to that we want to be learning. And so there's kind of just a, a few key pieces to being teachable. Um, one is that we make sure when we're asking any questions, the intent of why we're asking a question is to learn, not to teach someone. 
like they're teaching us and it's not a time like even if we don't even if we don't agree with what the person is saying which many times you won't the intent of why you're asking the question is to learn the perspective of the person that you're talking to in that moment in time which means that it is not a time to be saying anything to try to correct behavior the way that you think it should be corrected or try to place judgment on what another person is saying or try to teach something that you think is valid in that moment in time because the question intent is just for you to be learning their perspective. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of common to think we're no one intentionally is doing this maliciously, but we're asking questions to hear where someone's doing something wrong. Yes, if we have that ordered system mindset, exactly. right? So, That's the broken cog. Ah, I gotta, I gotta find where they're broken, and then I have to, <laughs> and I have I, to fix you know, them. I've, I've done this job, and I know what, what you should be doing. So tell me what you're doing, and I'll tell you where that doesn't align with what I think you should be doing. And that's why you're not having success the way I want you to have success. So then I will tell you, and I'm only asking these questions to find out where that gap is, mm -hmm. so that I will then teach you. Correct. I am listening to find the gap in what I want you to be doing, and then I will tell you what that gap is. Yeah. That's exactly how we historically, as leaders, have been taught to ask questions and the not what we want to be doing in operational learning. <laughs> well, let's, I mean, we're going to keep this about operational learning, but in the spirit of the podcast not being just about safety, that's about any relationship you've ever had, right? This is true. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, friendships, partnerships, it's just, yeah. We ask these questions because we, we just want to. Tell someone what we're What are thinking. you doing wrong yeah. so that I can fix you, Matthew? But then we dress it up. We're like, oh, okay, hey, can you just like tell me what your day was like? And then you're like, wait, so you didn't take the kids to the park like you said you were going to? Like, it's just you're trying to find that gap and, and we get better at it and we, we're always working on no, this. No, no, no. We is... would say it kinder than that, Matthew. We wouldn't even say, so you didn't take. We would say, well, I found in my past that when I take the kids to the park, it really helps them get some of their energy out. And then later in the day, it's not as difficult, right? And that's why they <laughs> broke grandma's vase. Okay, so uh, so ask questions to learn. And then we said not to to listen, quote unquote, just to teach, right? You're asking Correct. to genuinely learn. Learn about their world, right? Learn about their perspective. Be able to put yourself in their shoes. So that's element number one to being teachable. Um, and then when we are asking questions, we are trying to learn about uh, whatever is happening in terms of a process, not fixated on a result. So if the reason that you wanted to go talk to someone was <clears throat> because we had something like an event occur, the focus of the discussion is not the event, like whether it be a quality upset or a safety issue or operational upset. Um, the focus is what it actually takes to get that job done. And if we're talking about like outside of work in terms of, you know, hey, grandma's vase was broken. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're actually not talking about grandma's vase being broken in the conversation. We're trying to understand what it was like to manage the kids in that world, in that environment, whatever that environment was at the time. So a, a good example would be we're not saying, hey, teach me what it's like to break this vase. <laughs> That's not what we're doing. <laughs> Uh, we're learning about what it's just like to exist in the environment and go about yep. normal work, normal yep. day. All right. And then the way that we're actually asking questions and engaging in conversation in operational learning, there's two pretty important pieces of it. Um, one is that we don't have a pre-scripted list of questions, usually of a kind of a place to start, meaning you have maybe a process or an experience you're trying to learn about. Um, and then all of the rest of the questions actually come from what the person is teaching you. So your, your follow-up questions are truly 
follow-up, meaning, <laughs> meaning you, you have to hear what the person is saying in order to even structure the next question uh, because you're just trying to clarify a mental picture as you go. And in a place where we're not even sure what the next question should be, the second piece of this really important structure and conversation is making sure that we are doing genuine reflective listening, meaning that when somebody's describing something to you, you do want to take the time to try to describe it back to them to actually check that you are creating the right mental picture of what they are describing. And in doing so, in many or actually most situations that I have been in, people fill in the blanks for you. So even if you don't know what question to ask next, by reiterating what you thought you heard, people will correct for what you've gotten wrong and add more detail into what you told them. And we know through conversation that you like it or not, you always have a filter on in what you're hearing. Mm. It's not a bad thing, actually. It's just what your brain does to make the information make sense. And so you will naturally miss things and you might interpret things differently. And so it, just by reflective listening and saying, hey, here's what I've heard. What did I miss? You're, you're checking that bias. You're checking that sort of filter that may have missed something that was crucial or heard it differently than someone intended. Absolutely. Or maybe someone needed a chance to clarify something and they didn't say it how they wanted to. They, they, it really gives the open place to have that, that conversation. Yeah. And like you, we kind of, we kind of take the reflective listening and we combined it with the open-ending questions and, and using the next best, best question, which is what we say. And I find it fascinating because coming from the sales world, they're so used to saying, here's your sales script. Mm. Right. And it, and it would be like this. You ready? I'm ready. So if we were going to do it about your morning. Okay. And I said, Tell me how you start your day. Um, I I usually wake up when my youngest daughter uh, wakes up and I hear her on the monitor. Great. So your your youngest daughter wakes up, you hear her on the monitor, that's when you get up? Y yes. Great. So what about, what do you have for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, not, that doesn't at all follow any sort of open-ended and following uh, the next best question, but that's what. You know, so there was reflective listening built in, I but did. it felt like oh, creep, it was, creepily not genuine. I just wanted to get to my next question on my <laughs> on my sheet, which is so often. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. How often do you get a request for operational learning script? Tell me what questions to ask. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably every time we teach it, because it is it is a little bit overwhelming or scary to think that there isn't a script, um, which is why we want to practice because. When you don't have a script, it is actually quite freeing and you can learn quite a bit. And and the reason, by the way, that we can't have a script is because you can't predict what you're going to learn because we're not in an ordered system, right? So we'd have no idea what questions would be the right questions to ask ahead of time. We have to be listening and learning as we go. And that includes an investigation, but we won't spend time on that now. Not in not in this moment. But maybe, maybe we just take uh, a few minutes and... And show what this looks like in practice. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. So we're, for, <laughs> well, let me quickly recap okay, I'm what ready. you said, because yes, I have yes, a list please. in front of me, which mm -hmm. is we talk about being teachable, and that kind of has a couple elements. Mm -hmm. Those elements are, one, asking questions to learn, mm -hmm. not just to listen and then teach or solve someone's problems. Mm -hmm. Two is when asking questions, we're going to ask about what the process is like, not just what the result is. And then we're going to talk about beyond open-ended questions, which sounds crazy, so I'll explain that a little more, <laughs> which is that the next question 
comes from what you just learned. Mm-hmm. It is not prescripted. You're not just guessing. You're not trying to fill in the, the, you're not making logical assumptions for them. You are asking based on what they said, the next question, and then reflective listening into all of that. So let's give it a shot. I'm excited. All right. Well, so, so you started off talking about your baseball experience. Okay. That's one way to say it. Baseball <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> experience. Yep. Um, and that it was oversimplified in terms of, you know, how things go well or don't go well. Mm-hmm. So what if we did a little bit of operational learning around what it's like to be on an over 30s bat, wood bat yep. team? Wood bat. Did I get it? Is yep. that what it is? Okay. That over is. 30s wood bat baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to operationally learn about it. And if you don't know where to start, actually, one of the places that I start is by admitting I don't know where to start. Um, so I'll say something like, uh, I'm really interested in what it's like to be on an over 30s wood bat baseball team. I love that you're harping on this over 30s thing. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm well over 30. So yes. <laughs> But I don't. I don't even know what question to start with. If if I wanted to understand that world, I, wh- where would you start? What what should I know? I think you know we we can kind of bypass what it's like to j- sign up for the league and how that team's created. I think that's all just sort of detail. I think the good place to start is how like the lineup is even formed. Oh, okay. Like yeah, how, how do we know what we're there. playing and how does the coach manage sort of? Okay. 13 people that don't know each other. He has no idea how well they play. Stuff like that. Okay. So you got 13 people who don't know each other and yeah. you're in, a, is it more than 13 or is it just 13? I think it's 13 per team and, and the teams switch every year. So you might, you might know a person or two, okay. but you might not be on their team next year. It all changes. So you might've played with or around them at mm-hmm. some point. So you got 13 people and a coach, a coach is yep. is creating. Yeah, so I think four. There's four teams, so four people volunteer to be a coach. Okay, so you have a volunteer coach who then has to somehow figure out how to put together a lineup. Yep. What is that like? So, from my understanding, our coach Mike, who's also a player. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, play- so wait, your coach plays in the field. Classic player coach. This is <laughs> got, got going, going, yeah, classic <laughs> player coach situation. Uh, so Mike, you know, the, the league starts, Mike, I think they have a draft or they, they figure out a way to divvy up the players. Mike gets a list of 13 people and he goes, all right, I can, I have a list of where they think they want to play. And now I have to make it make sense. Cause you can only play nine people on the field at one time in one inning. Okay. So the way they do it is everyone bats. If you show up, you bat. Okay. So the, the batting order is just as long as there are people on your team, they're, 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 they're batting. And then Mike has to sort of, and he does it in an Excel grid. So he has the batting order and then mm-hmm. on the, on the, on the left side and the top side, each inning, and then it has where you're going to play your position for that inning. Okay. So you've got, you got 13 people. If you show up, which I'm guessing because you said, if you show up, then not everyone always shows up. Is that, is that true? Okay. I mean, yeah, it's an over thirties league. So most people have children and then they therefore have weekend plans over the summer, right? Cause it starts. I think in June and it goes through September. So it's peak summer travel months. So, you know, I missed a couple of weeks. Everyone kind of misses a couple of weeks here or there. And you hope that it staggers just enough. So you have enough people to play a game. Okay. All right. So you got, <laughs> not everyone is going to be there 
every week, most likely because mm-hmm. of just family dynamic life situations. And so you have, I'm picturing this Excel grid that I think you described, right? So you've got a list of 13 people and then you've got a list of the positions that they are willing to play. And, and that's what the decisions are made from. Am I picturing that right? So that's how the, that's, that's probably how the first week goes is, okay. is coach Mike. Yes. Coach I, Mike. I, I feel coach. weird saying <laughs> coach Mike. Call out to coach uh, Mike. <laughs> he, uh, it, he, he, is before the first game is like, I got a list of people and I know mm-hmm. the position. And then he has to say, okay, over seven innings, I'm going to try to get the people into the positions that they can play evenly. So everyone feels like they have an equal chance to play because he wants it to be equitable, but okay. some people play the same position. So you have to play a so lot if you of have, wait, 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 So if you've got like, like three short stops, yep. the driving force here that I'm hearing at least in some regards is equity as opposed to trying to win. I mean, like what if, because as you've stressed, this is a men's, <laughs> men's over 30 wood bat baseball league. <laughs> so the goal is that we have fun first and foremost. Okay. So it's it, the, yes, we all want to win. Mm-hmm. Everyone is competitive to a degree and everyone makes the playoffs. So technically the regular season doesn't really matter. So you're just there to have fun and you you want to play the positions you're comfortable in. Okay. And and Mike, Coach Mike. Coach Mike. Does his best to make sure that everyone gets a chance to play in those positions. Now, mm. I will say that over time, people emerge as me being a little more defensively sound in a position versus another position. And there starts to be some more trends based on who plays the position well. Okay. But so- even in those situations... There is still rotations. Everyone gets a chance to play. So as you go through the season, what I think I'm hearing is that the the patterns of maybe a good lineup, meaning who's going to be playing where, start to emerge. Because you're also the first time that, if I'm understanding correctly, the first time that you play together is like on your first game yep. right so no practice <laughs> no zero practice. practice and you show up 10 minutes before the game starts and that's perfect it. right and so so you you start to get an understanding of how to work as a team in terms of what people's strengths are and if you do have you know four people or 10 people that all want to play shortstop you find out you know maybe the folks that are best suited for that position but also with the secondary or or maybe primary goal of having fun and allowing people to play the positions that they would like to be playing and that they are comfortable in because historically these folks have all played before right and yep. so those might be the positions that they are most comfortable from their past experience yes and I, i'll i'll end in, with this note yeah just so everyone really understands the league that i play in <laughs> which is crucial to understanding <laughs> operational learning um everyone goes in with the understanding of we are playing in a men's over 30 wood bat league <laughs> so no one takes it entirely too seriously so if you wanted to play shortstop and sort of for the people everyone's like yeah whatever let's just have some fun and if I need to switch in and switch out, that's totally fine. So no one's out there like, but I want to play. That's everyone. <laughs> but I want to play. Shortstop. Totally fine with this idea that we're playing in a again a men's over, over thirty. 30. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's stop here. I think we. I don't know how many minutes we went for in this operational learning about your men's over thirty wood bat league. league. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hopefully it was just long enough for people to hear a bit of the pattern of the question asking. I mean, obviously, Matt and I, we have a rapport together. We would spend a lot of time together. So it's easy for us to have a conversation. But even when you don't have that type of relationship with someone, I can say, you know, just from my own experience of doing it, the conversation sounds and feels 
pretty close to what we just talked about because you're genuinely interested in what the person is saying and you're using the ability to have discussion around a passion of theirs or something that they have personal experience with and you're just asking them to teach you more about their world and most of us are pretty comfortable talking about our own experiences so as long as you're not asking someone to make judgments about other people or judgments about other experiences outside their own um, most people are pretty open to conversation around their world and it is like you said it's my experience right and this league's been around for a bunch of years. So if you talk to someone who played in every year since it started, they'd have different experiences and different things to say, but yeah. there would still be that. I want to teach you. Yeah. It's something I'm enjoy. I have fun with the men's over 30 wood bat league. So that would be something that people always want to share. They do. They, they like talking about something they get to have expertise in. Awesome. So hopefully in that we were able to hear a bit of the reflective listening pieces, as well as the asking questions to learn and making sure that the next question was actually coming from what you were saying. Um, and also, obviously, we were not talking about whether you won or lost no. in the last games, but actually learning about what it was like to be on that team, which if you continued down this path, perhaps people can start to see how these pieces would come together. But if we were ultimately interested in if you won or lost, you can start to see some of the brittleness in the system, right? You can start to see, well, there's 13 people that come together who don't practice at all, who have had past experiences on different teams and multiple people who maybe only like to play one position and you're just trying to make sure that everyone's having fun. You could see how those ingredients lined up together may not create the most competitive team. <laughs> you said it, not me. Uh, that was that was it. So let's let's go over homework. And um, we'll wrap this one up. Yeah. All right. So homework, should they choose to accept it? Yep. Would be take any discussion at any point, work or personal life. And at a moment in that discussion, try to use questions designed to allow you to learn about somebody's experience and attempt three follow-ups in that discussion. That follow-up could be either just reflective listening to allow somebody to fill in the blanks for you, or it could be a question that came from what they said that you're trying to ultimately create clarification around your mental picture of what they're describing. So three follow-ups in the middle of a conversation that you're having with someone. See if you can do it. Yeah, my only piece of advice would be don't say, oh, wow, tell me more three times in a row. That will <laughs> <laughs> get called out. Uh, but give it a shot and... Yeah, we'll talk yeah. more about that next time. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Well, that's it. Yep, another one in the books. <laughs> we did it. If you uh, want to send us any of your thoughts, actually fling us any of your thoughts, you can do so at the website www.hoppodcast dot com that's h-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t dot com it's still such a stupid name, <laughs> such a stupid name. we look forward to hearing from you thanks for listening